I have 21 years invested with the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation. That's kind of what pushed me into what I'm doing now because I, 21 Memorial Weekends and seeing the families and the tears and the kids and the widows, and it's, it's, it's terrible, devastating. So you, you kind of want to get on the other side of this. You want to get ahead of it and say, well, how can we prevent this from happening? So that's kind of what motivates me to, to be the safety advocate that I am. Enchanted Sky Media. Media. From the Enchanted Sky Studios in Prescott, Arizona, this is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Code 3 features interviews with leading members of the fire service, discussing firefighting strategies, tactics, and other topics you need to know more about. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again here on Code 3. This is the show for and about firefighters. We're informing and entertaining members of the fire service, just like you, from coast to coast. How safe are you as a firefighter? Be honest now. Do you don all your gear before you make entry, or do you take a risk thinking you may save someone? Or what about something as simple as wearing your seatbelt on the way? Now look, I know there's a certain faction of firefighters who long for the days of riding the tailboard. These are the guys who say it's possible to be too safe. But if you want to make sure you go home tonight and have a longer career, safety is the one key element. That's why my guest today wrote a comprehensive book on how to be safe. It's titled, Fire Officer's Guide to Occupational Safety and Health. It's written by Chief Ronald Canterman of the Wilton, Connecticut Fire Department. Ron has 40 years of service, having been both a volunteer and career firefighter. He's worked at the FDNY as well as the Fortune 500 Company's Emergency Services Division. Ron's written books and written dozens of articles. And he's been on staff at FDIC. And Ron Canterman joins me now. Welcome to Code 3. Good to be here, Scott. How are you doing? Doing well. Thank you, sir. So what prompted you to write this book? The basic, the basic thought process behind it was that uh, I, I've been writing uh, articles here and there on health and safety. Uh, I had the health and safety, the occupational health and safety chapter in, in the last version of the, the last edition of the Fire Chief's Handbook for Penwell Fire Engineering. And I started looking around and all the stuff going on. And I said to myself, there's, there's a lot of stuff on health and safety and it, it's all over the place. It's, it's not, it's everywhere. There's a, there's a chapter in this book, a chapter in that book. There's an article over there. Somebody wrote something like this over here. And I thought it might be just a good thing to bring it all together. So I took all my writings, which was about two-thirds of the book, almost three-quarters of the book, the articles I'd done, the chapters I'd done, the things I had done for the National Fallen Firefighters on the 16 Life Safety Initiatives, Everyone Goes Home program, pulled that all together, and then started to do more research and pulled, pulled stuff in on Cancers, fitness, wellness, and 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 uh, the fire, fire ground and emergency operations, like working on roadways and highways, blocking traffic, structural operations, and and I I dug into I dug into 
the, the fire service uh, brain trust and, and pulled out as much as I could to try to get it all in one spot. And that was really the goal behind the book was to make it a one-stop shop for a health and safety officer, a company officer, a chief, or the designee who would be kind of looking into this stuff. So then would you call this more a reference book or a guide for people who are newer at their positions? It's both. It's actually both because what it, what it'll do as as a desktop reference, which I like to call it because it kind of is, it's it's really not a book you could just sit down and kind of read through and and it's 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 a reference book. The discussions take place in the firehouses around the country about whether it's wellness, fitness, cancers, whatever. They could say, well, let's pull this book off the shelf and see see if Kahneman put something in there on it. Um, <laughs> the the other the other neat advantage to the book. Is, is I've included over 20 sample SOPs regarding health and safety. So that's a task that no one loves to do in the fire service. So I, I helped, I'm hope, hopefully helping to springboard the writing of SOPs around the country for health and safety, along with a risk management plan that meets the intent of NFPA 1500. I've interpreted 29 NFPA standards. The, the, the byline and the mantra that, that, that Penwell Fire Engineering is going to use to, to market this book is Chief Canterman has done the work for you. I like okay. that. Yeah. I, didn't, I, I didn't mind doing it. I didn't mind doing it. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. I saw that you had the example SOPs in there, and I thought, wow, this is actually something that you could pick up and go, well, here's where I start my program. Yeah, and, and that, that's the idea. It's just, you know, it's, it doesn't mean that these SOPs, these samples, they're not perfect. Nothing is in this world, but it's a springboard. It's a place to get started. I, I just pictured the committee sitting around the firehouse saying, well, you know, we really need an SOP for confined space entry. It's one of the most dangerous things we're going to do. How the heck do we get started? You know, so wait a minute. I think Kahneman did that for me. And on and on and on. And like I said, there's over 20 of them in there. So it, it was just a springboard, a starting place for the fire service to get started. And, and going back to your question, it, it, it's a guide for a person just jumping in. It's a perfect book for, for a, an officer, a lieutenant captain, battalion chief, who gets called into the chief's office in a medium to large fire department and says, you are appointed as my health and safety officer for our fire department. Perfect book for that guy. Or if, if the department's not big enough to have a separate guy and the operations deputy is the health and safety officer, which is like that in most cases, this is a perfect book for that guy. It's, it's, it's a step saver. It's a little bit of a time saver. It's got, it's got just enough information in there to get started. It's not going to make anybody uh, an expert by any means, and I'm certainly not an expert. But what it will do is it will offer them a, a tool. It's, it's an, it, I, the thinking is it's, it's a pretty good tool for the toolbox. What is the state of safety in fire departments? Would you say that they're mostly on the way there? They're there. They have a ways to go. I think we're past on the way. I, I think because that that, that fire, firefighter safety has has starting to started to take root about about ten or fifteen years ago. I mean, really started. To, I mean, we're kind of talking about everybody's been tiptoeing around it, and then you had the old school thinking about you know, well, it's not what we signed up for. We're going to throw ourselves on a hand grenade. Well, that's that that thinking has shifted. There's a little bit of a paradigm shift. The, the National Fallen Firefighters, they launched their program 15 years ago, uh, the Courage to be Safe, Everyone Goes Home with the 16 initiatives. The IAF, the IFC ha has their initiatives. Uh, and, and, and so the, the thinking has shifted. I mean, I, I know there's hundreds, if not thousands of fire schools and fire academies around the country where 
when their brand-new firefighters go through Firefighter 1 or Firefighter 1 or 2 or recruit school or probie school or whatever they call it, they do a four-hour block on on the life safety initiatives and on the courage to be safe. And so they're actually through that entire block into the curriculum. So it's kind of giving the new recruits, the new people, some religion, so to speak, safety religion, uh, before they hit before they hit the street and head back to the firehouse. So I, I think we're well on our way. I think we're, we're getting there. What I heard as, as I taught that program around a, a try a four-state area and then travel a little bit as well over the years uh, for the foundation, uh, what I kind of heard, which was encouraging, was the, the old-timers and the veterans of the firehouse would lean over to the young kids and say, hey, listen to this guy. You know, we, we didn't get this. You know, nobody, nobody gave us this lecture when we got hired 20 and 30 years ago, et cetera. So it seemed that, it seemed that the, the senior firefighters in the house were, were kind of enamored with the fact that there was hey, there's actually a program out there that, that sounds like that the, everybody cares about us, too. We're included in the life safety factor on the fire ground. And, and I think it's always been that way, but it, but no one ever talked about it. No one ever formalized it because it would also it, that wouldn't have fit in with the past thinking and the past bravado of, of being the macho firefighter, you know, and, and I'm indestructible and all that other stuff. So I, I think we're well on our way. I think we're past on our way. I, th- I think we're, we're, we're not there yet, but we're getting there. I, I, I really believe we're getting there. You know, if you look at line of duty deaths uh, year after year, we've had some good years in the last 10 we had we had one or two years where we we down into the 70s and and that's not a, for me that's not a great year I'm I have 21 years invested with the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation I've been working for them for 21 years and that's kind of what pushed me into what I'm doing now because I 21 Memorial weekends and seeing the families and the tears and the kids and the widows and it's 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 terrible it's devastating so you you kind of want to get on the other side of this you want to get ahead of it and say well how can we prevent this from happening. So that's kind of what motivates me to, to be the safety advocate that I am. But I, I think I think that the country has turned the corner. That the fire service throughout the country has certainly turned the corner, and and looking at at health and safety. And now, of course, the hot topic is cancers. You know, we have we have a cancer epidemic. Uh, I'm a cancer survivor myself, and I think our generation of firefighters, my generation, we're doing everything we can to make it better for the next generation. We're, we're pulling out all the stops. We're, we're looking at gear. We're looking at masks. We're looking at skin absorption and all the things that, that, that surround us on the fire, you know, deconning at the fire ground and all of that stuff. So the, the next generation of firefighters, you know, 20, 25 years from now, you know, they won't even be talking about can- cancer in the fire service. Well, now it's obvious that safety is where the smart money is, but at the same time, you do mention the people who have the macho attitude. And so is it is it still common among let's say the older members of the fire service mixed bag you can't drop all the 25 and 30 veterans into one pot that there is there is certain but you know what interestingly enough i'm coming across the new young fire officer today has taken it fairly seriously and and i met recently met a a 25 or 27 year old new lieutenant and he had a he had a 30-year veteran driver and the, the driver could have been his dad they went out on their first run together and that lieutenant jumped in the seat, buckled, turned around to the jump seat. The guys behind them were buckled. The 30-year driver was not. And he said, uh, I'll just use the name Mike. I'm making it up. He said, Mike, don't move the rig. He said, why? He says, you got to put your seatbelt on, man. And, and they, they got into a, into a discussion about that. And he said, and not, not a long discussion because they were going to a, an alarm. And, and he says, he says, I'm going to ask you one more time. And, and he said, no, nah, I don't wear a seatbelt, lieutenant. I'm sorry. 
He said, shut the rig off. We're not going. And he, and he called out of service. He called the dispatcher and said, send another engine. We can't get out. Knowing full well the chief was going to call and say, what's wrong with engine seven? <laughs> and then this driver, would have, this driver would have to explain himself, and he did. And that was the only time he had to explain himself. That was the only time. After that, the older guy learned to, to get in, into the rig, buckle up like everybody else, and keep going. You know, So it's, it's a matter of having it. That's, that's where that byline came from with that program, the courage to be safe. And having enough courage to, to, for a young lieutenant to tell the 30-year veteran, you need to buckle your belt. And, and having enough courage to be the only guy who's buckling his belt in, in the jump seat in the back and everybody else isn't. And having the courage to do that. And eventually everybody will catch on. You know, I'm fortunate my department here where I am now, the guys, they have a good safety culture. Um, uh, yeah, they want to go home. And no, they don't want to get sick. So they, they do whatever they have to whatever they can. To, to avoid those things and have a long career and and, uh, and then pension to follow, etc. So uh, you know, but I I think the I don't want to I don't want to ever put all the all the uh, senior firefighters and veterans in that big basket and saying they're all anti-safety. They they're not. Uh, I, I heard I heard chiefs on fire ground 20 and 30 years ago. You know, be careful. Or you know what? Let's get off the roof. Now's the time to get out or evacuate the building. I'm not happy here. So. That, that safety was always on everybody's mind, but but I think it was more on the mind of the bosses who were, who were more worried about their men, and now men and women, than the men were worried about themselves. And to drive that point home, uh, one of my colleagues here in Fairfield County, Connecticut, as a chief, he's told his guys when they talk about safety, cancer prevention, getting washed, and all that stuff, everything safety and health, he's told them time and time again, I can't want this more than you. And, that's, and I put that quote in my book. It's in the first page. We, as chief officers and as leaders, we can't want this stuff more than the line guys. And I tell my guys that, too. We start talking about let's, let's start doing just a gross decon after a structure fire. Wash your gear off right there. Take a line. Wash yourselves off. Wash each other off. And it's proven in the lab. They said 85% effective if, you, if you, you do a quick wash with a little soap and water on your gear at the scene rather than taking all that crap back to the firehouse and let alone in the cab. The, the whole idea to this is, is I think, the, the turning point was to convince the line, the entire line, to take stock in themselves and to believe that this is good for them, and it, it'll, in the long run, it'll pay off better for them. It's not just the chief barking an order or saying, it's not just another rule. You know, we, we, we made it so that the firefighters themselves can see the benefit of doing this stuff in, in leading a long and ha- happy and healthy career. Let's look at this from the other direction now. Have you experienced any situations where, say, a company officer has a philosophy more like do as I say, not as I do? I, I, haven't, I haven't seen that here in my, in my small career department, but I've heard it from other people. In Connecticut, the, the Connecticut the, the career fire chiefs, we have an organization, and we, and we run a new officer's course. Every January, we run, a, we run a program for brand-new appointed uh, lieutenants and captains from around the state. And we usually have a class of about 25 to 30. And we tell them, well, you know, what you guys say in here stays in here. You're all in uniform. You're all wearing your patches. We know who your bosses are. But we commit to that, that privacy uh, of that room. And tell us what your problems are in your department, and we'll try to help you solve them, despite the boss sometimes. And, and, and we hear that occasionally. You know, we, we got... You know, the, the, the deputy's out there, and, and he's, he's telling us, put on this and do that and do this, and he's standing out there in his underwear, so to speak, you know, a pair of shorts and a T-shirt at the fire. Yeah. 
So, so yeah, that that's out there, and I think that's I think that's shifted as well. I think that has shifted as well. I, I think that we've had we've put so much emphasis in the last 15 years on the company officer being a leader and showing leadership, and you know, and and that do as I say, not as I do anymore, doesn't hold, you know. And and you, you got to set the example, and and you know you got to walk the talk, and all of those all those great sayings that we can hang on a wall somewhere, <laughs> but it's true, and 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 it's true. My you know my officers get out there, they're dressed, they're in their gear, they're ready to go. And I told them, I says I says if you're not if you don't look like that, you can't turn around to your men and say, hey, like where's your helmet, where's your gloves, where's your face shield, if you're not if you're not completely donned yourself. And me as a boss, at the fire ground, I can't do it to the, to the captains. I can't say, hey, what are you, what are you walking around with, with a half a gear on? You know, you, I, I, we have a structure fire. I'm at the car, but I'm gearing up, gearing up. So, I think we've turned that corner as well, uh, Scott. And, and and I think, I think that 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 uh, the the officers and, and the senior members of, of the um, of the fire service around the country, I, I think they they've made that commitment to say, yeah, I, I need to lead by example. And 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 aside from what we're talking about. There's a whole leadership movement on. I mean, we've been talking about this at FDIC, you know, for many, many years on a national level. And, and so now there's lots of books have been written on leadership. And it, uh, there's a good half a dozen or 15 or, or, or 10 out there that are written by fire people. There's non-fire people who write great leadership books. But what we committed to do was to, was to pound the leadership into the people who are in leadership positions. You know, I, I, I teach a seminar leadership excellence. I, I, I teach it around the country. I teach it locally. And, and what, what I'm finding still, after so many years of doing it, there's still audiences and there's still people and there's new offices all the time. And when you, we sit and talk to them, they, they, they kind of look at the concepts and say, well, yeah. You know, and at the end of the day, what I do in my particular class is, is I say, listen, th- think about think about what you wanted to say about you at your retirement party or your funeral, mm. you know. And and and, and they kind of give it. They give me everybody. We go around the room, you know, and and everybody says something real nice about themselves. Oh, I want them to say I was the greatest fire officer ever. I was a great husband and a great father. I was a great leader. I I, I cared, and they all say great things about themselves. And I look at them, Scott, and I say to them, now think really hard while you're driving home today. If it happened tomorrow. Would they really say those things about you? And if not, then you got work to do. You got to make an adjustment in, in how, in how you, you treat people and how you lead people and all that other stuff. So, I, I think it's 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 the leadership emphasis, particularly on on the company officer and the safety emphasis. I think they've gone hand in hand. I do another program called Safety Leadership, which is a combination of both. The safety stuff is the stuff we're talking about now, and it's all the stuff that's in the book. And and I bring my leadership stuff in, and I kind of merge it and meld it together, so so they can take whoever's sitting in that room can take the lead when they get back to the firehouse and say, all right, we need some safety, health, wellness, fitness, etc. And here's what I learned today. So that that's that's the hope. That's always the hope, you know. All right, we'll leave it there. Great new book, Ronald Canterman. Thanks for joining me on Code Three today. Thank you. Be safe. We'll see you soon. And we put some more information on Ron and how to get a hold of his book on our website, code3podcast.com slash safety program. All one word, safety program. Check it out. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. This time we talk safety. And I want to know if you have any stories about safety-related situations you've encountered and how you dealt with them. Just email me 
scott at code3podcast.com. I'll read letters in a future show. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more, and I hope you'll join me. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, stay safe. Code 3 is a production of Enchanted Sky Media. To contact us, get more information on today's topic, or subscribe to the podcast, go to Code3Podcast.com.